Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be previewing Super Bowl 57, and we're going to be talking about Showdown DFS for Super Bowl 57. So whether you're playing on FanDuel or DraftKings, we're going to be breaking down how to build winning Showdown lineups. If you have you know, a lot of experience with Showdown or not a lot of experience with Showdown, we'll break that down for you. We're also going to be providing a little bit of game analysis and just kind of how I expect this game to turn out. And then we're going to be breaking down all the individual players themselves. Um, And then at the very end, going to kind of start on some builds um, for some different possibilities when playing Showdown this weekend. Um, Now, I would have loved to do a full episode on Super Bowl prop bets, but there are just so many of them out there and that there is so many of them that are crazy that... You know, if you want to do that, do your own research, fire away with whatever money you're comfortable with. Um, but it's just not something that I could reasonably put together here on the podcast. So Showdown DFS it is, um, while also providing some game analysis. So use this analysis for Showdown Slate to make whatever prop bets you want to make, whether it's a first TD bet, leading rusher bet, uh, Isaiah Pacheco's rushing yards versus Hideki Matsuyama's score at the Waste Management Open. Yes, that's a thing. Um, you know, any kind of bet like that. Um, you can use this information to help you make when it comes to the Super Bowl. So very much looking forward to this game uh, and very much looking forward to breaking it down here with you guys. So without further ado, let's end the introduction. We're going to start off the podcast with our kind of how-to for showdown, whether you play it a lot or not. But first, a quick word from our friends at... All right, so whether you are new or a veteran to Showdown DFS, um, I don't cover it a whole lot here on the podcast, so I do feel the need to kind of cover it here for this specific instance. Showdown on DraftKings, you get to pick six players, and on FanDuel, you get to pick five players, all from the same game, obviously. Uh, And there is a limit where you have to pick one player from each team on both of the major sites, DraftKings and FanDuel. And... On both sites, the pricing works out slightly differently. On DraftKings, your captain earns 1.5 times more points, and his salary is 1.5 times more expensive. On FanDuel, your captain earns 1.5 times more points, and his salary is his salary. So kind of a little bit of difference in how you piece those two together. Um, I think the concept is still pretty much the same in terms of how you want to win. Most GPP winning lineups on DraftKings are either 4-2 or 5-1 builds, meaning that it's your captain and 4 Four players on their team and two on the other team, or your captain with five players on their team and one on the other team to win you, you know, a GPP. Very rarely do three and three builds work out perfectly. A three and three build is honestly almost the equivalent to like placing a six game player prop parlay on prize picks or somewhere like that and just getting it right. Um, because you would need both teams to score quite a bit and you would need those teams to, you know, feed the ball to the guys that are on your team. It's just highly unlikely that a 3v3 lineup absolutely hits. Now on FanDuel, 3-2 is actually how most winning lineups play out. Um, 4-1 is second, obviously, because like it's the only other possibility other than 1-4, which would just be weird. Um, and so what you end up with is on FanDuel, 3-2 becomes a lot more common. 4-1 becomes a lot more rare. But depending on how you build your lineup, a 4-1 can definitely make more sense. So my advice for Showdown is to build your lineups with a narrative in mind. Have a final score in your head. And kind of thinking about how many touchdowns, how many field goals or is each team going to score and how are they going to get there? And more importantly, what's the other team going to do 
when they're down or, you know, when, um, you know, how do they lose the game matters, right? Is it going to be like garbage time or is it going to be clear the benches and let's run out the clock? Like there's all kinds of possibilities for how you can build your lineup, but either way, um, build your lineups with a narrative in mind. If you want to know what narrative Vegas has in mind right now, Philly is currently one and a half point favorites and the over under is set at 51. So basically Vegas predicts a 26.5 to 25 game between, um, or where the Eagles are victorious. So, um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that more on that in a second, but that's kind of the starting point is, you know, how can I expect something different to happen from this 26 to 25 and how can I build my lineup? So that way, if the score that I'm predicting happens, I cash this out in the biggest way possible. That that's how you want to approach building your lineups on a showdown slate. Now also how you choose your captain is very important. QBs are definitely going to be the highest owned captains. Mathematically, that makes the most sense. They generally score the most points um, and they, you know, are their team's leaders in fantasy points on a week in and week out basis. So it makes absolutely the most sense to put a quarterback and click in as your captain. However, it makes it a tougher path to win a GPP, especially if that's what you're playing, um, because so many other people are going to do it. You basically now have to get the rest of your lineup right in order to win, as opposed to getting the captain and, you know, part of the rest of the lineup right. So I think that, you know, quarterback as captain makes sense, but you're definitely making your own path harder if you do so. So trying to find a way to get a slightly unique or creative captain might actually be a solid move this week, especially considering that, you know, this is the only game in town this week, y'all. Like everybody's going to be playing showdown smart money and not so smart money. You're listening to this podcast, so I would consider you smart money. So pretty much build those lineups and try to be a little bit unique. Like you can't just pick in like guys that just are the best plays, all six of them. It's not going to be possible. It's not going to be the winning build. So um, build your lineups with a little bit of uniqueness, especially at that captain position. Now, kickers and defenses are involved on showdown as well. This This specific game, I would be more inclined to play a kicker than to play a defense. The kickers in this game both average about eight points, and only five times all season has a defense scored eight or more points against Kansas City, and only seven times all season has a defense scored eight or more points against Philly. That's just not good math. And, and honestly, I think this game tends to turn into more of a shootout and those defenses are not going to score a whole lot. Um, Harrison Bucker of the Chiefs has actually been really good in the playoffs. Uh, he's made five field goals in the two playoff games combined. Um, however, the Eagles don't give up a whole lot of field goals. They've only given up 25 field goals all season long that were attempted. Not, not the ones that were made, the ones that were attempted. Kansas City has had 29 attempted against them. So a little bit softer, but not really like a kicker's paradise. So I definitely would be inclined that if you are building with a narrative in mind and you're planning on a Chiefs blowout, Harrison Bucker's a solid option. Or if you're planning on an Eagles blowout, maybe Harrison Bucker's a solid option. Maybe the Chiefs had to settle for field goals like they did five times in the previous two playoff games. So um, either way, I think that both those kickers are absolutely an option. And they can be a valuable piece in building your showdown lineup, especially when you need to save salary. All right, so that does it for the showdown strategy portion of the show. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then I'm going to give my game analysis and how I think this game is going to play out. If I'm being honest, I am like really excited to watching this game, just as a football fan. I think that we have truly the two best teams in the league remaining, right? I mean, obviously, I'm not reinventing the wheel there. They were the one seeds. Like, they were the best in the regular season. But you have the best quarterback in the world in Patrick Mahomes and who beat another one of the best QBs in the world in Joe Burrow. 
And then you have the Eagles, who are just the best roster in the league, top to bottom. And they beat who's probably the second best roster in the league in San Francisco. So um, I definitely think that these are the two best teams. You've got the all-time quarterback against an all-time great team. And it's going to be super interesting to see how it plays out. Now, from a strategy perspective, I expect this to be a close game just because I don't see either of these two teams getting blown out. Even when you think back to the Super Bowl two years ago where the Chiefs lost to the Buccaneers, the final score was fairly lopsided, but Kansas City had opportunities in the red zone that they just weren't able to convert. Mahomes was moving the ball up and down the field, still making a lot of great throws, and just you know wasn't able to punch the ball in. And I think that's like the absolute floor is like that game. And Mahomes still had a fairly successful fantasy output in that game. Now, another thing that a lot of people aren't going to talk about, I think these are two of the absolute best offensive lines in football. And, and they're good in different ways. Philly just absolutely mauls people in the ground game. If you watch the San Francisco NFC Championship game, uh, Miles Sanders had one touchdown where he was just absolutely untouched. The offensive line's blocking was incredible. Um, in Kansas City, like I feel like Mahomes is – like never pressured. Like he just sits back there forever. They're a great pass blocking O-line. They're also kind of imposing their will on the run game as well as we get later on into the season. And so, you know, as a football guy, offensive line play is very important and a lot of teams don't value it. And these two teams are reaping the rewards of having a good offensive line. Now, speaking of that offensive line, Philly was able to run the ball in San Francisco, who Previously was the best run defense in football. And so if they were able to run on San Francisco, I think Philly will be able to run the ball this game, you know, just like they have any other game. Um, the counterpoint, though, is that for Kansas City's defense, the formula should be fairly similar to how they've defended other mobile quarterbacks and other RPO teams in the Andy Reid era, um, which they've done a pretty good job of. They're actually 3-1 and one against Baltimore with Lamar Jackson as the starter. Uh, Lamar Jackson in those four games averages 22.1 fantasy points. The outlier of those four games was the one win that he had um, with Baltimore where they beat Kansas City in, I believe it was week two of the 2021 season. He had 34.3 fantasy points in that game. However, Kansas City's formula in that game and really all the games against Baltimore seemed to just be to load up the box and dare them to beat you throwing the ball. And Philly is the type of team that they have the weapons on the outside in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith that can win one-on-ones and punish you if you load up on the box. So I don't necessarily think Kansas City is just going to be able to stick eight or nine in the box all game and have that be a viable strategy. Philly, however from an offensive standpoint, needs to stay on schedule. They do not need to end up in third and long where it's obvious passing situations. They need to be in second and third and short where you can run or pass, and Kansas City has to respect both of them. Now, on the other side, Philly's defense versus Kansas City's offense. For Kansas City, I mean, the story is going to be like the health of these wide receivers. Like, can they, you know, start the game and finish the game? And Because, you know, they were kind of depleted for weapons there at the end of the Cincinnati game, and they still made it happen with just Mahomes, Kelsey, and, you know, Mahomes running around. Um, what I expect Philly to do is to play more man-to-man defense and make these wide receivers beat them in individual coverage because Philly's corners are that good. Uh, however, the downside is you got to deal with Kelsey. Kelsey is the game breaker. He is the guy that can beat man, zone, whatever coverage because him and Mahomes are just so locked in, so on the same page. They can put the ball wherever, and Kelsey's just going to be able to go find it and go get it. Now, if Philly does go more man coverage, I think that actually really opens up the running back passing game for the Chiefs. You saw it in the AFC Championship game. Uh, The running backs were targeted a total of 10 times against Cincinnati, so I could see this being a big receiving output for Pacheco and McKinnon if the Bengals do be, you know, if they do go a little bit more main coverage. 
Now, another thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is the fact that these two teams played just as recently as 2021. It was only a season ago. Now, it was a different cast of characters. Philly didn't have A.J. Brown. The Chiefs still had Tyreek Hill. Um, but the Chiefs' run game and offensive line was not as good as it was right now. Uh, and I don't think Philly's defense was as good as it is right now. No James Bradbury in that game for Philly. Um, the Chiefs won that game 42-30, to and it wasn't really all that close. It was kind of one where they jumped out to an early uh, two-possession lead, and Philly was just kind of clawing back the entire rest of the game. In that game, Mahomes threw for five touchdowns. Jalen Hurts had 387 passing yards and 47 rushing yards, which is not too bad at all. Um, for the Chiefs' ground game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 100 rushing yards, um, which is saying something because I'll be honest, he doesn't do that very often. The Eagles' running backs were ineffective in this game as well, but you could very easily blame the game script for that. So my official pick for this game, I expect this to be kind of the coronation of Patrick Mahomes as one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I'm a Mahomes guy, self-admittedly, but I just think that with what they did against Cincinnati and just how this season has kind of been like a redemption season from the heartbreaking losses to Tampa and Cincinnati, I just see this ending with the Chiefs hoisting that trophy. I just do. And, it, and if the ball ends up in his hands with two minutes left, uh, I would not want to be on the other side of that. And so I, I really think that the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think it's going to be fairly close. I believe they're going to win by four. I think it's going to be a situation where um, Mahomes has a fourth quarter touchdown to put him up late. Uh, and then Hurts can't come through at the end with the last uh, drive, no matter how much time's left. Um, that's just kind of how I see it playing out. Um, like I said, I expect Philly to be able to run the ball. I expect Kansas City to be able to throw the ball. I expect a big game out of the running backs and tight ends for both teams. That's just what I am anticipating. All right, so there's the game analysis. Let's talk about how that plays into fantasy. Um, whether that narrative is the one that plays out or whether it's some totally different narrative, we're going to break down how you can build your lineup with these different narratives in mind. But first, a quick breather. All right, so we are going from the X's and O's game analysis to talking about it from a purely fantasy perspective now. So looking at the top of the board on both DraftKings and FanDuel, sit the two quarterbacks. Shocker, right? They've been two of the top five quarterbacks in fantasy all season. They're both great. They're both their team's highest scoring players. And they're priced fairly similarly because, honestly, their production has been fairly similar over the course of the season. On DraftKings, I'm kind of surprised Hurts is a little bit more, especially considering Mahomes would probably get the 300-yard bonus a little bit easier. But, hey, I'm fine with them being about even. I think there is also a path to lineup construction for this slate with Either one or two quarterbacks. I don't think a no quarterback build is going to be the move. Um, but I definitely think that there is a way that you can squeeze two quarterbacks into your lineup. I think there's enough value down the board that if you're willing to get creative, you can go with two quarterbacks. Now, if you think this game turns into a shootout, like the last Kansas City-Philly game was, then I would intend like to go out and try to play both quarterbacks. Now, the quarterback defenses have been you know, a little bit different. Philly's defense has only allowed four quarterbacks to get to 20 fantasy points in a game this season. But in fairness to that statistic, they played some pretty crappy quarterbacks. Since week 12, after they beat Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles have played Tannehill, Jones, Fields, Prescott, Dalton, Webb, Jones, Purdy. Yeah, did you hear the one like good quarterback in there? Dak Prescott, yeah, Dak Prescott had 33 fantasy points in that game. So the one time that they've played a legitimately good NFL quarterback, and no disrespect to Justin Fields, but I wouldn't put him in that category yet. Um, 
33 fantasy points out of Dak Prescott. So I absolutely see a scenario where Patrick Mahomes can do the same thing. And that was a game for Philly that Gardner Minshew started. Might that have had effect on the game flow? I don't know. But if Dak Prescott can get 33, Patrick Mahomes can get 33. Now, KC, on the other hand, as a defense against quarterbacks, they have played the quarterback gauntlet. Um, and they have given a pretty high floor to the quarterbacks they played to. All but two quarterbacks this season that they have played have gotten to 15 fantasy points against them. But the ceiling isn't exactly super-duper high. Only six quarterbacks got to 25 fantasy points against them, and it hasn't happened in the last six games Kansas City has played. This defense has gotten better as the season has gone on. Um, and so in terms of a purely um, objective standpoint, I would probably prefer to play Mahomes than Hurts. But again, build your lineup for a narrative. Whatever narrative you think is going to happen, play the quarterback that fits that narrative better. Now, very clearly, the best skill position player available on the board for Sunday is Travis Kelsey. Like, he's just been insane in the playoffs. With his 20 fantasy point performance against Cincinnati, he now averages 27 fantasy points per game in his last eight playoff games. That includes two losses, one of which, and I mentioned this game earlier, was the loss that Kansas City had to Tampa. Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, Travis Kelsey had 23.3 fantasy points in that game. So if he's going to be able to do that in a loss, like, I just think that, you know, super high floor, super high ceiling. He's Mahomes' most trusted target. I think you can fit Travis Kelsey in just about any lineup. He's going to be very popular, and I'm okay eating the ownership on that one. Now, for the Eagles wide receivers, uh, I don't get why A.J. Brown is more expensive than Devontae Smith. I, I really don't. Since week 14, uh, Devontae Smith has more fantasy points per game more expected fantasy points per game, more red zone targets, and more touchdowns than A.J. Brown. All of the numbers point to Devontae Smith. However, if I could play devil's advocate for a second, I think A.J. Brown is a little bit of a tougher physical matchup than Devontae Smith. I, I, I don't think that's a bold statement. Um, so I think if you're looking at a situation where the Chiefs are going to load the box and play one-on-one -on -one coverage, Maybe that benefits A.J. Brown a little bit more because it can be a little bit more of a jump ball, contested catch type of game. But like I said, all the numbers, all the usage numbers, all the actual numbers point to Devontae Smith. And let me give you another interesting stat. In the Eagles' losses this season, Devontae Smith has been about 10 fantasy points per game better than A.J. Brown. Smith's at about 24. Brown is at about 14. So keep that in mind when you're building your lineups as well. If you expect the Eagles to be playing from behind, it's Devontae Smith that sees that more so than A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown is dependent on seeing one-on-one -on -one matchups, whereas Devontae Smith is more of a man or zone guy that can be involved in any game script. All right, now that we've talked about their top playmakers, now let's talk running backs. So Miles Sanders, not going to lie, I haven't exactly been high on him all season long, but he's looked good running the football in the postseason. Um, but the thing is, is like he's got all of his yards like before contact. He hasn't broken a whole lot of tackles. The Eagles offensive line has done an outstanding job of creating running lanes for Miles Sanders to run behind. So if you think this turns into like a Philly one-to-two possession win, I think that's the best game script for Miles Sanders because what we have seen is that the Eagles have won back-to-back -back playoff games in utter blowouts. And in the last two blowout wins, Miles Sanders has 28 total carries. Kenneth Gainwell has 26 total carries. And Gainwell actually has more fantasy points too, 31 fantasy points to Miles Sanders' 26.5. I like Gainwell as a much better option in blowouts 
and in shootouts, if that's what your narrative is building for. Sanders only has two targets in the passing game in the last four games. Gainwell has nine. So if the Eagles are trailing and they're having to throw the ball, it appears much more likely that Gainwell's going to be in the game. I also think Boston Scott is a very sneaky value play if you are prepping for a Philly blowout. In the last two playoff games, he has about 17 fantasy points combined, about 8.6 per game. And he kind of is the blowout king. Like he comes in and he gets these little meaningless garbage time touchdowns that are only meaningless if you don't have him. Um, at his price tag, I think he's definitely worth a look. Even if he gets you just 30 yards and a touchdown in a blowout, that's definitely going to pay off his price tag. It can help you win big. Now in the playoffs for the Kansas City Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco has came alive as their lead rusher. He is out carrying Jarek McKinnon 22 to 15 and outgaining him 186 to 43 in total yards, rushing and receiving in the Chiefs' two postseason games. Now, let's talk about how these two fit into a game script, though. Pacheco's been the better player, but the game script can absolutely dictate some usage here. If you think that this is a Chiefs blowout, I kind of like them both because if the Chiefs are going to score like 45 points, or maybe not 45, maybe 35, right? If they're going to score that many points, it's probably going to be both of these guys that get a touchdown or two, for being honest. Now, if you think this is going to be an Eagles blowout, I think McKinnon is a decent option because what I think you'll see if the Eagles are winning by a lot of points is they will sit back in a very soft, cushy zone and they will allow Mahomes to check it down to the running back all day. And that's like Pacheco's jam. So um, I definitely, I'm sorry, I misspoke. That's like McKinnon's jam. So if you expect an Eagles blowout, I think that much better bodes well for Jarek McKinnon. I don't know whether that was a Freudian slip or an honest mistake, but Eagles blowouts, better for Jarek McKinnon. Now, objectively, in any game script, though, I would say that Pacheco is the better play. Another interesting tidbit is that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is back from IR. I regard him as nothing more than a dart throw. Uh, I think Pacheco has been a more effective runner this season than Clyde would have been if Clyde had been healthy. Uh, and so I just don't see him getting a whole lot in this game. First game back from IR. Maybe he gets some garbage time, but I, I don't think it's anything more than that. All right, now time to talk about basically the rest. We talked about the top receiving options for both teams. We talked about the running back core for both teams. Now let's talk about the rest of the offense for both teams. So out of all the other receiving options for both teams, I think Dallas Goddard's the best option. He has 11 targets total in the postseason, which is more than the rest of Philly's receiving core combined. He's averaging six targets per game since returning from injury, and that's pretty solid out of a tight end, if we're being honest. He's being really used in the red zone, which is what we like to see. Uh, and I just think that this is a good spot for Dallas Goddard. I think he's a sneaky, if you're a prop bet type of person, I think he is a sneaky first touchdown or anytime touchdown bet. Now, for Philly also, the rest of their offense, Quez Watkins and Zach Paschal are the two dart throws. They're pretty much the only two other guys that are seeing relevant snaps, uh, and they're really not getting targeted a whole lot. Quez Watkins, though, with his speed, he gives you a big playability that has the potential to break a showdown slate. We have seen him do that before. I believe it was a Sunday night slate earlier in the season that he just he had like one deep touchdown and he was like instantly a guy that paid off his salary tag. Um, and so if he gets one of those, like congratulations, you're probably going to win big. Um, but that's pretty much all he is at this point is a dart throw. Um, he's not even getting the deep targets that we're accustomed to seeing because just with the game script, Philly's been able to run the ball the whole game. So um, I don't know if that changes with a different game script, but like I said, I regard him as just a dart throw with the potential to absolutely nuke the slate. Zach Pascal is you know, playing for Philly. He's seeing about 30% of the snaps as opposed to Quez Watkins, who's seeing about 40% of the snaps. But, you know, Pascal's going to be on the field, and, you know, maybe he lucks into a touchdown. 
but I'm definitely not interested in anybody else on the Philly offense outside of those two guys. For Kansas City, I am of the belief that Marquez Valdez-Scantling's big game against the Bengals was a result of availability and pretty much being the only like dependable receiver that they had left that was healthy. Um, I mean, I guess the counterpoint is, yeah, he is a physical freak. Yeah, he is really athletic. And, you know, we've always known that he had that potential in him and he finally showed it. But I just think that that was a result of, oh, look, here's one guy that I'm used to that I can throw to and he's a little bit open. Let me give him a chance. And, you know, I don't think it's much more than that. I think that MVS, great game. Like he's probably the guy that I would be most like, let me think the best way to word this. He's the Chiefs receiver with the most upside, but his price tag is surely inflated from that big performance in the AFC Championship game. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster will be back for this game. He could be important for the Chiefs because of his ability to meet man coverage from the slot position. I think there is a little bit of a funnel spot there from the slot for Philly, um, and so he is intriguing for that reason. Sky Moore, so I hyped him up at the start of the season, right? And I was kind of all in on him as being not a Tyreek Hill replacement, but just a guy that they could do Tyreek Hill things with and um, didn't work out. And I was kind of thinking that, you know, with all those injuries to the receivers in the AFC Championship game, oh, this might be the Sky Moore breakout game and I might look like a little bit of a genius. Nope, didn't didn't really do much with it. And so I'm kind of just out on Sky Moore. Um, of those three guys, I would prefer to play MVS than Schuster. I'm not playing Sky Moore. The guy that is the Chiefs receiver that I like the best, though, is Kadarius Toney. He's the guy that, and I mentioned this before on the podcast, he gets schemed touches, jet sweeps, screens, uh, shovel passes. You know, how many times have we seen Andy Reid come up with one of these little gadget plays in the red zone where it's Kadarius Toney with the ball in his hands? You know, and I would too. He's absolutely electric with the ball in his hands. So I think that he's a great anytime touchdown bet. And I think that he is actually a really good candidate to play in showdown because of his cheap price tag and because we know that in the red zone, they look to get this man the football. And so I think that he's actually a really sneaky receiving option. Um, No matter how you think the slate breaks down in terms of a game script, I think that he is a very solid option on this slate. I also think that the Chiefs' backup tight ends are worthwhile dart throws, Noah Gray and Jody Fortson. Fortson was out on the field playing wide receiver, essentially, after all those wide receivers got hurt in the AFC Championship game. And Noah Gray has been the backup tight end all year. Maybe he lucks into a touchdown. Maybe he gets a tight end sneak. We've seen that out of him before. Um, and I think that you know if you're getting to the bottom of your lineup and you'd have just a little bit of money left, like they're both worth a shot. But, but I'm probably not playing anybody outside of those two guys. All right. That does it for the showdown breakdown. Now, lastly, before we go, I do want to give just a few plays that if I was starting my build, here's how I would consider starting it out, right? So so with a narrative in mind, and I'm not going to say who my captain is. I'm just going to say four names for each build that I would look to consider um, and then you know figure out how to fill in the last two spots, right? In a Chiefs blowout, Mahomes, Kelsey, Pacheco, Devontae Smith. In Eagles blowout, Hertz, Devontae, Boston Scott, Travis Kelsey. In a shootout, both quarterbacks, Kelsey, Gainwell. In a low-scoring game, Kelsey, Miles Sanders. In a 10 to 14 point Chiefs win, Mahomes, Kelsey, Pacheco, and Goddard. In a 10 to 14 Eagles point win, both quarterbacks, McKinnon, and insert any Eagles running back. 
All right, so that is how I would be starting my builds. No, um, no explanation necessary because we already did all the explanations. So um, that is where we have it for the showdown slate for Super Bowl 57, guys. Um, I know I'm looking forward to it. I really just want a good Super Bowl. I want to look back finally at this one. Um, you know, I'm not the oldest guy in the world. So like the, the most, the farthest back my Super Bowl memory goes is the Panthers-Patriots game. Uh, that's the first one I remember sitting down and watching um, the entire game, you know, obviously a Panthers fan, you know, that one actually didn't break my heart um, because, you know, we were still just so excited for him to be there. It was so fun to watch him and for the whole world to be talking about the Carolina Panthers. Um, the one in 2015, though, that was the heartbreaking one and, um, you know, lose the Denver. Anyway, I'm, I'm telling my own story, but I really just want to see a good game. I want to see a game that we remember for all time. Um, and I think that this is going to go a long way in determining the legacy of either Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts, two guys that I'm a big fan of. Jalen Hurts, I just think, you know, the way he's handled things at Alabama and with the NFL, he's just an absolute class act. And, you know, there's a lot of people that you want to root for on both sides of this game. So really looking forward to it, really excited for it. You know, going to be playing Showdown DFS. Um, if you guys are playing Showdown DFS, best of luck to you. Hopefully you used all the information in this podcast to make the best build possible. Best of luck to you guys. Enjoy watching the Super Bowl. This is our last NFL coverage for the season before we start doing off-season stuff. So if you've been with us all along for the NFL, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your support, and I will see you all next time.